Hi, this is Larry Christopher, and today I'm going to be talking about the documentary on Netflix called Wild Wild Country about the Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh commune, usually called a cult, that sprung up around in the 1980s. It was originally in India, and Rajneesh and his followers, though, moved it to Aragon, rural Aragon, in, uh, I don't know the exact year, it was in the 80s, and there were a great deal of controversies associated with this cult, including uh, local politicians and townspeople uh, being poisoned and all kinds of power struggles within the group. And it was a really uh, controversial period. And now, all these years later, uh, Netflix is putting on this six-part documentary on the topic. It's very interesting, although, as I'll mention, it doesn't necessarily cover all of the points. I mean, there, there were so many points of view, and even in the six parts, we're really only getting uh, interviews from a few people. And, of course, Rajneesh, who was later called Osho, uh, died quite a while ago, so we don't get his point of view. But I'm going to read from a blog post that I recently put up, and then I'm going to go on and, and talk a little bit more about some points. So, Wild Wild Country on Netflix a six-part documentary directed by the Way Brothers and produced by indie film director Mark Duplass is about the Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh cult that was established in Oregon in the 1980s. I was interested in watching this as I read several of his books, that's Osho, and knew people who were followers, though no one who actually lived on the commune, though I think I probably met people who, who visited it. Before I started watching, I didn't even realize it was a doc. I assumed for some reason that it was a dramatization. The doc format, of course, it turned out to be more interesting, mainly because several of the principal players were interviewed. Rajneesh, who later became known as Osho, died quite a few years ago. I believe it was 1990. So all we have here are clips of him speaking. Osho was known mainly for his advocacy of open sexuality and for his blatant materialism, expressed, among other things, by his large collection of Rolls Royces. I think he had 90 Rolls Royces at one point. But was he materialistic or mocking materialism with his excessive wealth? This is one of the many questions that are hard to answer. It's worth noting that Osho has been called a trickster guru along the lines of other controversial spiritual leaders, such as George Turdif, whose name comes up briefly in the documentary as well. Strangely, Osho is really a background character in this documentary. Most of the focus is actually on his secretary, Ma Anan Sheila, who turns out to be the character who really makes the whole movie fascinating. Sheila is a notorious figure who was accused of several criminal acts, and she did uh, serve prison time, actually, including the poisoning of the entire town of Antelope, Oregon, and attempted murders of rivals within the group. There are a couple of other higher-ups in the commune who are living in Rajneesh Purim who give extensive interviews as well. In many instances, Sheila comes across like a textbook psychopath, charismatic, without remorse, and a natural leader. Her obvious love of the camera and willingness to talk at length that would really make Wild Wild Country so interesting to watch and as an aside, it also might make you question some of the facts that are brought up here, since so much of it is from uh, Sheila's point of view. Those looking for a more in-depth exploration of Rajneesh Osho's philosophy would do better reading some of his books, because this uh, movie doesn't really talk that much about his philosophy. It's more about the incidents that occurred on the commune. 
A couple of other figures are also prominent in the doc. Swami Prem Niran, like many in the group, he's an American who took on a sannyasin name. Sannyasins are the names that were, were called uh, his followers. The group's attorney for many years. He is clearly conflicted about many events and is brought to tears several times of memories of better days in the movement. Another uh, person interviewed is Catherine Jane Stork, an Australian woman who joined the movement and spent time in prison along with Sheila for attempted murder. Stork is the only interviewee who seems to have truly repented and left the movement behind. Considering that it's a documentary about a religious movement that's generally labeled a cult, Wild Wild Country is about as balanced as you could expect. The shocking events which were well documented are shown alongside the fun recollections of former members who still find much value in their years under Rajneesh. As much as anything else, this film is about sociology and culture, about what happens when you have two radically opposed subcultures living aside each other. Rajneesh and really Sheila shows a remote rural community of Antelope Valley, Oregon, whose citizens were mostly elderly, insular, and very conservative. You couldn't possibly have more of a mismatch between a group following a tantric Indian guru and a disapproving community of conservative Christians, many of whom probably disapprove of much of modern mainstream culture, much less free love, polygamy, and anarchy, as one of the recurring themes in Osho's discourses is to distrust all traditional authority. So you really have a juxtaposition of completely opposing uh, viewpoints and subcultures here. How you react to this film, of course, depends on your own background and biases. Even if you see merit in Osho's teachings, however, it seems clear that Sheila was a ruthless and power-hungry character. This also brings up some interesting issues about the nature of power and radical movements in general. Arguably, it's people with uh, these characteristics, uh, ruthlessness uh, and being power-hungry, who are most likely to seize power in any institution. It's just more noticeable in a cult because it's operating outside the norms of society. We don't notice the pathology of mainstream authority because it's right in front of us. Because, I mean, if you look at, if you look at this doc and how the local authorities uh, attempted to oust the, the movement, I don't think they were necessarily very ethical or fair in their uh, attitude from the beginning before, I mean, all the uh, controversy started. Apart from the excesses and corruption within the group cult, there's little doubt that the locals in Oregon and later higher-up factions within the U.S. government were determined to oust the Rajneeshis one way or another. When Sheila and others refer to themselves as an oppressed religious community, they have a point. At the same time, it's instructive to note how quickly the leadership within the group sank to the level, or even lower in some cases, of its opponents. And this is a theme you see over and over again in history, of course, as revolutions end up devolving into uh, power struggles and oppressive uh, regimes that are just as bad as the ones they overthrew. So we see that happening as a microcosm here in Rajneesh Purim. So it's an interesting social experiment in that way. Something else I didn't mention in my blog is one of the other controversies was when they brought in a large number of homeless people from, I think it was Portland. They did this to uh, gain voters to help them take over the political institutions in the Antelope Valley. I mean, at first they were helping these homeless people and feeding them and giving them a place to live, but then it quickly got out of control and they ended up 
basically throwing them out on the street. And actually, at one point, they drugged them to keep them under control. So that was another instance where they didn't exactly behave in a ethical or responsible manner. The story of Rajneesh and Rajneesh Puram is very complex. It involves many people, some no longer living, most notably the guru himself. This documentary is certainly not the whole story. Another of Osho's disciples who doesn't appear in the doc wrote her own book that tells, believe it or not, a far more damning picture of both Osho and Sheila. In a recent article, I think it was in the Daily Beast, Satya Franklin claims that Sheila true to style manipulated the filmmakers into giving her control over the project. Somehow I find this fairly easy to believe. Uh, she also wrote a book which uh, is on Amazon about her uh, experiences in the movement. And I'm ending here with a quote from Osho. Take hold of your own life. See that the whole existence is celebrating. These trees are not serious. These birds are not serious. The rivers and the oceans are wild, and everything there is fun, everywhere there is joy and delight. Watch existence, listen to the existence, and become part of it. Osho uh, remains a very mysterious figure. I mean, even after watching this documentary, it's hard to know. Was he a charlatan, a trickster guru, a, an authentic guru who uh, became corrupted? He's just... Uh, remains a kind of shadowy figure. And he's also part of the whole tradition of trickster gurus, which is something uh, I'm going to talk about a little bit. Trickster gurus are just a, a category of spiritual leaders who, who maybe use manipulative tactics and unconventional uh, methods to supposedly enlighten people. I mean, even if you go back to traditional Zen parables, you have the Zen masters who uh, hit the disciples with the stick, but trickster gurus take this to another level. I mean, some examples would be George Jurjeev, Alistair Crowley, Chagyam Trungpa, and more recently, Andrew Cohen, who's an interesting figure. There's been quite a bit about him lately. I was uh, looking at an article on Medium about his group. He was associated also with the uh, Ken Wilber integral movement. And his own mother wrote a, a very uh, critical book about him, about how manipulative and ruthless he was. But uh, the thing about a trickster guru is that you can't trust them, but at the same time, they may have value. Alan Watts wrote an interesting, I don't know if it was a book or essay about trickster gurus. I have that here. I'm just going to read a little bit about it. It must be understood from the start that the trickster guru fills a real need and performs a genuine public service. Millions of people are searching desperately for a true father magician, especially at a time when the clergy and the psychiatrists are making rather a poor show and do not seem to have courage, the courage of their convictions or of their fantasies. Perhaps they have lost nerve through too high evaluation of the virtue of honesty, as if a painter felt bound to give his landscapes the fidelity of photographs. To fulfill his compassionate vocation, the trickster guru must above all have nerve, he must also be quite well-read in mystical and occult literature, both that which is historically authentic and found in scholarship, and that which is somewhat questionable, such as the writings of H.P. Blavatsky, P.D. Ospensky, and Alistair Crowley. It doesn't do to be caught out on details now known to a wide public. That's Alan Watts. Yeah, you can look him up uh, 
Alan watched the trickster girl and, and then he gives sort of semi-satirical advice on how to become a trickster girl. Anyway, it's, I'm pretty much going to wrap it up. I just wanted mainly to uh, read the essay on Wild Wild Country. And it's, as I mentioned, it's uh, sociological, spiritual, and it's uh, interesting on many levels. And it's going to be hard to ever know the whole truth about it because really when you have some, a movement with thousands of thousands of people, people are going to come away with different experiences. I mean, I think many people did gain a certain amount of enlightenment from Osho. I mean, when I read his books, I had not ever visited the commune, so I wasn't really familiar with the controversies, and I just read them as spiritual texts, and I found them quite persuasive. I mean, he draws a lot from Taoism, Tantra Buddhism, and he was very well-versed in all kinds of philosophies. Again, whether he was authentic or not is another question, and one that who, who can really answer. It's one of these things where you really have to make up your own mind. But anyway, I highly recommend watching Wild Wild Country if you have Netflix. Whether you're interested in Osho or not, it's a very interesting documentary about uh, one of the controversies that occurred in recent American life. So until next time, this is uh, Larry Christopher with uh, Liminal Worlds Podcast. Good night.